Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Loose Head Podcast with me, Jeff Neville. On this series of the podcast, I'll be speaking with guests who experienced injury or lows while playing rugby. We'll discuss the injuries and lows themselves, the mental side of it, and if they've left any effects. But as well as that, we'll be chatting about the highs they've enjoyed too, the games that stick out most in their minds and their best memories on the pitch so far. A different guest will join me every week, and today I'm delighted to welcome Jenny Murphy onto the show. Jenny, how are you getting on? Not too bad. Thanks for having me, Jeff. No problem. How's lockdown 2.0 treating you? Oh, super glamorous. Yeah, um, that's not too bad. Like, I'm kind of getting used to it. Um, taking a few online courses, um, you know, trying to stay busy. I I went vegan for six weeks. I lost a bet, so I'm about four days left, and then I'm going to... I'm going to be a carnivore for a few days, so um, I'm really looking forward to the weekend. I've timed it to coincide with the men's game, so I'll be ordering chicken wings and having a beer. And I can't wait. So, yeah, that's I'm definitely a high for me. I'm going to ask, yeah. what, what bet do you lose that makes you have to go vegan for six weeks? Uh, my brother bet that I couldn't do it, and I bet that I could. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... Um, it's actually, do you know what? It's not like for, I have a very diet, I eat well. Um, but I actually, I would recommend people giving it a crack, even just cutting that bit of extra dairy out of their diet. Um, suddenly, pretty well. Like, I'm not here to be preaching or anything like that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm fierce fond of flat whites, you know, yogurts, cheese, the whole shebang. Um, so I will go back and have a, a dabble of that, but I'll definitely limit my intake and be a bit more, try and be a bit more conscious about what I'm eating as well. So I know it's good. It was uh, like, I'm glad I did it six weeks now. It's, it's fairly dragged week four. I was probably not the nicest person to live with. Um, but yeah, kept me out of trouble. Oh, well, enjoy the chicken wings this weekend anyway. Um... <laughs> well, I will. So in this series of the podcast, I was asking players about the highs of their time playing rugby, but also about the injury side of the game. Um, but just so that we're finishing on a high, I'm going to start with the injury side of it and maybe get that out of the way so it's not all doom and gloom as we're, as we're finishing up. So if it's all good with you, I'll just jump in. Go first. In terms of injuries, I know your latest serious injury kept you out of the game for 18 months or so. But before we touch on that one, how many injuries have you suffered in total or do you remember them all? Oh, um, I probably like a few. I've had like it's a, you know, it's a complex force, and I regard myself as you know physical enough there, and um, so I've had a few big niggles and a few smaller ones. Kind of at the start of me playing rugby, I was, um, I was pretty lucky, and then, and then just you know with the game and just sometimes freak accidents or, or, you know, three in a tackle at one stage with my knee. So I've had a few, you know, the usual broken fingers, ribs, that kind of thing. And then like AC joint to my shoulder. Uh, and then the two big ones, I guess, were my back and my knee. They were the ones that kind of kept me out of the game for 16 months and 18 months. So they were the, they were the kind of tougher ones, I guess. And you had minor ones where you missed big games. But uh, yeah, they'd be the ones that I'd, I'd probably learned the most from, I guess. And got a little bit of patience where maybe that wasn't there before. The back injury, that was in around 2014, wasn't it? And that was the 16-month one. Uh, yeah, so the back injury happened in um, 20, uh, 20, it happened in 20, late 2015. 
and I missed a lot of the sevens. I was still playing with the sevens as well. I missed the 2016 uh, Six Nations, and then I got back for the for 2017. And um, yeah, so that was the that was a little bit later on. So I had a bit of a gap. And um, you know, so that was that was the first kind of big one I had. And that was just um, a little niggle in the gym, wasn't it? That happened. Yeah, so um, I, was, I was in the gym. We were doing a circuit, and something something kind of pinged, um, and I was just really uncomfortable. But I finished the set, and then we had to go. Our, our gym at the time was downstairs in in DCU, and I was climbing up the stairs, and I really I had to use my arms to kind of pull myself up the stairs, and I just thought I kind of pulled a muscle, and the physio then had a look at me and was just like okay just take it easy we had a fitness test the next day and uh tried to do it um and then obviously it didn't go so well um but I was still like lots of muscular and and you know you'd say oh you're you're being soft or whatever um then I went for an x-ray or an MRI I can't remember um and handed the disc to, I got back to DCU, handed the disc to physio and they, I saw them put the disc in the, the laptop and they all turned and looked at me while I was sitting down on a beanbag and I kind of knew then like, oh, it's, it must be pretty bad. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, that was the, it's like a pars defect and fracture on the little facet joints. So on both sides. And um, yeah, so that was me just kind of out for a while. Um, and I was really lucky that I was in the in the system when it happened. So I was like well taken care of, had amazing physios, they're really patient. Um yeah, and during that time as well, it was because it was I never really experienced anything like that. So you're you have to go into training and watch your teammates, you know, get better and you're sitting there doing nothing or on the walk bike. So that was that was really that was really tough for me. I really struggled and I was lucky that I was living with AH Egan at the time. Um, so she was like my, uh, she was like my psychologist and like keep me kind of relatively sane after another tough day. And um, but yeah, that was that'd be uh, I got a lot from it. I wouldn't really like to do it again, but it definitely changed how I approached the game. And um, I think it made me a better a better rugby player as well, not just on the pitch but off. So that kept you out for sixteen odd months, but. Mm. Your latest injury then kept you out for 18 months. Did you, before we get into the injury, let's say just on kind of maybe the learning side, were you prepared for the long injury layoff because you had done it before? Or was it a case of like, oh, Jesus, here we go again kind of a thing? Um, oh, like initially when it happened, um, I was playing with club at the time and it was, it was the first contact of the game, kickoff. Someone passed me the ball, took it into contact and two and then the third person came in and it was just all those different angles and my knee was the give point um, and it just did a, a 180 um, and I was sitting on the side of the pitch and I had a the knee propped up on a tackle bag and I, I knew I'd done damage to it and like my teammates they couldn't look at me they kind of knew like and I was just really upset someone went and got me a gin and tonic <laughs> In the, in the clubhouse so I was sitting watching this game and I think it was one of the lads on the on the on the men's team or, or one of the coaches on the men's team 
and I had like this uh, ice and everything, uh, chin and tonic with the slice of lemon, and I was sipping away, being just like, I'm like, well, this is fucking great, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, like, oh uh, yeah, I was devastated, um, and then oh my my friend rocked up to the game, Mikey, and he uh, he kind of he's like, oh are you substituted off already? Like clearly my, my knee was like jab of the hut knee at this time. So, uh, and, uh, the Leinster team doctor, Alliance team doctor, John Ryan, like the nicest guy I sent him a text. He said, I think he was with the Scarlets, the Leinster playing Scarlets in the RDS. He said, wait a little bit, come to Vincent's and we'll get you seen to. And it was just peace of mind. I've, um, he kind of got the x-ray, sorted my MRI out told me the damage that was done and then got me a really good surgeon and it took a while and um, obviously because I, I wasn't in the Irish um, system at the time so I was kind of doing it myself but I had a really good physio um, Andy who's now the physio for the Irish women's team and um, so I had him in St Michael's and he was brilliant and I was just really lucky with the personnel that I got and even though I was pretty miserable and went through up and down stages I've done it before, you do it again, and there's ways to to attack a big injury like that. And then you can feel sorry for yourself for a little bit, but then you have to just kind of get on with it and be like, okay, right, I have this, this, this. I'm grateful for this and this. And you just kind of try and keep moving forward. So they, I, again, like I know I'm saying it, I, I didn't particularly enjoy the injuries, but I got something from, from every injury that I experience I've, I've taken and got something from it in terms of the mental strength and the mental your own mental health when rehabbing let's say especially that second injury which was even longer than the first long one were there days when you were rehabbing that you just thought to yourself like oh here look this is shit i'm done i'm out of here like yeah um yeah so i like there was one there was one exercise and it was just my knee, my knee wouldn't bend or my knee wouldn't flatten. So it was constantly bent even when I was trying to straighten it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't extend out the full way. Um, so I have to, I would stick my leg out in a stool and tie a plastic bag up around the knee joint and put jam jars and everything to weigh it down. And it was so uncomfortable um, to do it. And you'd kind of constantly keep weighing it and you'd try and go for one minute and then you'd go for two minutes and you'd time yourself. And um, and you're just kind of looking at this. You're Like I remember putting on the bag, I put on the plastic bag around my knee every morning and you're just like, here we go again. But like I had a really good support. My family were amazing. My brothers were great. Um, and... And you just kind of like, I think what really helped me was the, I had like a little gym diary and I still have it. It's still in my car. It's one of those small, um, small little notebook, uh, notebooks and I'd fill it in every day with, with what I had done and what I had completed. So at the start, it would have been to try and flex my knee X amount of times and whatever. And it was all these really, really simple things or, or try and walk with as minimal amount of a limp as possible. Um, and obviously my rehab was a little bit different because I did my MCL as well. And um, so normally with your ACL, you try and go back and get walking straight away. But because it's it's a, I did a double meniscus tear too. And um, it was kind of a little bit, I have to, have to be a bit more patient, I guess, and let that heal before I could rehab the ACL. 
So that, that gym diary, it's now full. I still have it in my car. And sometimes if I'm having a rubbish day, I can flick back and be like, oh, look where I was. And sometimes you kind of forget because you're so up close to the progress that you made. And not just in rehab, but like showing life in general, you, you don't realize that you're, you are making progress. Sometimes it's just hard to see because you're in it. Um, but skipping back two, three weeks, you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, going, it, I'm going somewhere. It might be really small, but I'm still moving forward. And today I'm one step closer to getting on the pitch than I was yesterday. And that kind of helped me going. So instead of thinking really big picture down the line, I had like, I'm going to be able to go for 10 sets for 10 minutes. And then the next day it would be 11 sets and build it. And then some days you'd slip back and you'd have to, you'd have to maybe take a backward step, but that was okay too. Um, and it was fine in the end it worked out and I got back on the pitch and it was an amazing thing and and I'm proud that I was able to do that because I used to look at some of my mates and and some of the girls I know through Gaelic football and uh and rugby and the ACL was the one injury I just did not want to get and I did not know I was I was like geez I would never be able to do nine months or I'd never be able to do whatever but when those are the cards you you're dealt you can be your seat you're you can be surprised at how resilient human beings can be and it's a knee at the end of the day like you know it'll it's fine it'll be grand and that's just that repeated constantly all the time and seems to have done the job i think what would get me the most is not being able to do things like like you're a you're an international rugby player you're you, you know you're fit you know you're strong like you know you're healthy but not being able to do things that you would have done when you weren't injured you know it could be something as simple as going for a walk or something like that like I think that's what would get me the most in terms of the frustration yeah like it, it is frustrating but I I just had to flip it being like this is what I can do am I and like I'm not like listen some days I wasn't like that at all for the most part though I try and catch myself if I was slipping into being somewhat negative and um, like I can get up. Like at the, the start, I couldn't. I needed help getting in the shower. I um like, like just like stuff like that. Like my independence was wasn't there, but I could still do so much stuff. So I kind of flipped it. Like what? What am I capable of doing? And how can I use this time to be effective so that when I do go back, I can add something, be it on the rugby pitch or elsewhere. And um, so, like yeah, I definitely did have those thoughts but as soon as I recognized that they were kind of creeping in I shut it down um, and then as well some of my friends they were great they were like top yourself on like you're you're going to be you're you'll be fine and if you're not you'll deal with that as well and um, so a little bit of a little bit of tough love um, was, was sometimes appreciated and, and they knew when to give me the soft shoulder as well you know like a caramel sometimes a bit too soft so like no it was I think I think and even now like I'm I when I go up the stairs I'm still on the stairs and I made sure that I didn't take something like that for granted like every stairs that I walk up I'll, I'll, I'll bolt up or I'll walk up nice and slow where I'm like oh, I climb the stairs and that's something that I'm still like I'll, that'll give me a little tick of like oh like I made it or whatever so it's a small little wins and victories for me and um, but I definitely don't want to forget because it could be taken away from me again 
Um, and if it does, I'll feel sorry for myself for a few days and then just get back on the horse. Are there any lasting effects of those injuries so far? Or is it all good? Um, yeah, like I would just have to train a little bit differently to um, so some of the other women. Um, it's just all about managing. But like I'm now an older rugby player and osteoporosis is going to set in at some stage. There's a whiff about that already. So a uh, little bit differently. But like, listen, the SNC that I had with uh, Leinster, who's now the current um, Irish women's SNC, Orla Curran, she is brilliant at her job. And even now I can text her and she'll send me on a program just for me, designed for me. She doesn't have to do it, but she's like, I, there's not enough superlative to, to, to tell the world how good she is at her job and how much she cares about the players that she works or worked with. And so it's just, it's just all different about, on all about managing it. Like I don't need to be able to run a 5k at a sprint it's not relevant to, to rugby anyway or be able to sprint like back and forth constantly 42 times because you don't do that in a match so why would I need to do the training and it's all about just adapting and making me the best that I can be on the pitch in a way that works for me and doesn't kind of break down my body so yeah it's a little bit different I'm on the walk bike a little bit more than I'd like but sure you know can't complain too much I don't think any player likes that walk bike I hate that Fucking walk bike so much. I know it, it is once you've done a really tough session and you you jump off and your legs are a little bit wobbly. You're like, oh, that was great. But during it, during it, you're cursing the SNC's name. Um, so you're like, oh, this is like 45 minutes on this yoke. Don't like it. But yeah, no, it's does the job. Like, I know you took a sabbatical from the game in 2017 after the World Cup, and that wasn't for injury reasons. But do you think that break from international rugby then will help you play longer now? Um, well, the break when I took the break, then I got injured with my knee. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like I think for me, anyway, you kind of always want to. You, I know you always want to be a hundred percent when you're going into camp, and we're amateur athletes, and I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the World Cup in 2017. And it was taking, and rugby was eating into every aspect of my life. Um, and, you know, it's great. I love what this sport has given me and the friends I've made and the places I've traveled and all that kind of stuff. But um, I wanted to enjoy doing it. If I'm spending that much time and putting that much effort into it and it's eating into other aspects of my life, well, I need to be doing it with a smile on my, my face. And I wasn't. So um, I wanted to get back to that. So um, I wanted to focus on club and playing again, just playing. Um, and just got unlucky, got an injury, um, and then just had to kind of go with the flow on that. Um, so, yeah, but like I think, I think now there's a lot of support there for the girls and they have a bit of time to kind of step back. And, and the, the, the team, it seems like a good place to be. Like the girls enjoy going to the camps and you know they're playing really nice rugby and when you're playing nice rugby as well that's an enjoyment in itself so um maybe the sabbatical isn't really necessary now I think I think it'd be actually the flip side of looking at giving the girls more opportunity to train with each other and play more 
and get to the standards and the bar that England and France have set, which is pretty much professional, professional in England anyway, and the contracts that are being given out in New Zealand. That's the way the women's game is going, and that's what we should be striving for. That's I think, in my opinion. So, well, I think that's enough of the the kind of doom and gloom talking about the injuries and stuff. Like, we'll move on to the highs now, and uh, you've enjoyed a few of them. I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah. You know, Six Nations wins and beating New Zealand and representing Ireland in the World Cups and playing sevens and barbarians. Like, you know all these different things that like if it was me I wouldn't stop talking about but how much have you enjoyed let's say these and uh which ones would you pick out kind of as ones that stick out in your mind the most um oh there's been I've I've been lucky to be a part of some really amazing teams that have done have played some great matches and got some great wins and had some some really really good crack off the pitch as well um, I think one that stick out, like obviously that your your the your the first Six Nations that we won in in twenty thirteen, the Grand Slam was was just really special. Got my first start that year against Wales, and um, I got to know the team a little bit better. I'd moved home after twenty twelve. I was living in the UK, so I was commuting over, and so this meant I got to train with the the girls a bit more, got to know a lot of the old Belvedere Irish representative girls and, and old Belvedere more as well. So um yeah that, that twenty thirteen that win against England was really special. Um our coach at the time, Goose, he we still had games to play and he just kind of points we're having Guinness tonight girls. Like just it was just really kind of lovely times and night like you, you remember bits and pieces of the of the game but it's the it's the laughter and the crack um in Ashburn Rugby Club um with points of cream and not too many we still have a game to play but we had really few and then just the chats and stuff and the purple snacks back in the hotel um that'll always you'll always have those moments where like we're in we're still in WhatsApps together. I'm actually the WhatsApp group for the the 2014 Six Nations still lit all the time with absolutely ridiculous goings on. So, um, then yeah, the 2014 World Cup was really special as well. Um, just because we were really tight by that time, we goosed and building and building on a team. And when 2014 hit, there was you know girls that we knew were were going to retire. So this was a last hurrah for them, and and it had a really good mix of experience and youth bundles of talent and in a nice way a little bit of blissful ignorance as well um, and we were very much in our own little bubble and had amazing 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 staff like again SNC coach was fantastic our manager Gemma Crowley Goose the whole shebang was, was just um it was a really happy place to be so that was that was again brilliant and then another big one is the, the barbarians that was oh that was a week of shenanigans really good rugby and I learned so much um, and I think for me that whenever and that's just me personally it's the place where you have the most laughs and you learn the most they're the they're the highs that you get from rugby and, and sometimes you're laughing on the pitch and you're having fun just because there's a six nations game on the line doesn't mean you can't smile or or have the crack um, like myself and Nora 
would she was taking kicks and stuff for in Six Nations and during World Cups. I used to hold the ball for who's a bit windy. And I'd be slating her the whole time. I'm like, you're probably gonna miss this. You are shit. And she'd have to focus so much on trying to well, I think she'd have to focus so much on dulling out my voice. Um yeah, she she normally nailed a kick. So I'd like to take some credit for some of the points she and that's just the that's just a snippet of how close we were as a team and um yeah, they're 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 my highs for me when I look when I look back at what I've done so far in rugby and um, some pretty special ones to be a part of. I imagine if you're soaking a few Guinnesses during a Six Nations campaign and if you're drinking a gin and tonic after getting injured with Belvoir, I I can only imagine the week of the Barbarians. Yeah, like so the England game to be fair was was special because like we normally would not do that just because well we've got work the next day and recovery is key but Goose wanted us to soak in and just soak it up and remember that moment because it was something special. He was very good at like be aware of what's happening now that you don't need to look at the next game straight away, which which a lot of the time teams I think and we ourselves are are, are guilty of doing like box tick now onto the next and you're like no 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 the box is ticked but enjoy it enjoy enjoy that and like be here a little bit more and then move on and and look for the next challenge. So yeah. But the the barbars the barbars was uh it was it was good all right yeah some of the some of the girls got tattoos um some of the yeah there's there one name names me. it's all right name names uh like uh, Ash one of the Yanks and some of us got fake tattoos we didn't want to get real ones but we were trying to so myself and Clara one of the English girls had little fake sheep tattoos we went off wrapped it in cling film and tried to see how many of the girls we'd you know, be able to nail. So, yeah, it was it was it was tame. The whole week was really tame. In terms of that barbarians week, is that something? Well, it obviously is something you'd love to see happening more and more of in the women's game, I suppose. Oh yeah, because you, a lot of the time you you play against someone for years, and um, they're opposite number, and I have no idea what they're like. You can maybe meet them a little bit after for a function, but for the most part, you don't get to you don't get to kind of relax and get to know them off the pitch. You know, like okay, they favour the right foot, and they're able to you know dig this way, and this is what they like to do. So all these technical aspects to the, your game that you're very aware of, but um, you don't know that they're a really bad singer, and if drops of Jupiter come on, they will hit the dance floor hard, like. And so having having got to know a lot of the girls that I wouldn't know very well, especially like, you know the Kiwis, the Aussies, and, and stuff as well, who you don't play against that often, it was really great that mix of cultures. You learn so much, and the fact that people are very open and willing to share, um, as well, it's not a it's not a close knit secret how they go about the game. They're very they want to kind of pass on some of the knowledge and um so yeah it was really really special and you know I'd love to love to do it again and hopefully more games will come up um in the future. I remember watching that 2013 Grand Slam and I remember the trophy presentation was just a table in the middle of the pitch and even the pitch itself like you wouldn't see it in junior rugby kind of a thing but I suppose the question is how far do you think rugby has come for for the women's teams but how much further does it yet have to go? 
I think where where the where women's rugby has come from in this country, yeah, it's grown, it's got more coverage, it's got more support, but it still has it still has a, a ways to go. Um I I think that the you you want I know I'm not putting this in the most elegant of ways, but you want the same as the men. Um, you want you want parity in the game. Um, and and for me now, I'm this would be an area that I I want as I want little girls as well as little boys to look up at, you know, the next Irish fly half or that tight head prop in the green jersey. I mean, if I want to be him or I want to be her, I want to get to that stage. And for the obstacles for them to get there, to be the same, minimal, um, and to make that pathway as as easy as possible for them to wear an Irish jersey. I think there's a lot more obstacles for women to jump over at the moment, but in terms of like financial, uh, time, um support that they get but it's getting there I think you just need to push for more yes there's been progress but there's still I still want more for the team In terms of all the games you've played uh, be it for club or country or even Barbarians what one moment maybe sticks out to you as your favourite? Um, my favourite moment there's a few like I can announce you now as you ask that question and I'm really thinking it's like when you've you've done something well maybe with your centre partner or something's kind of clicked or you've kind of got that nod of acknowledgement um, one for me that I remember is in 2017 so it was the the Six Nations that I got back after my injury and we were playing against France in Donnybrook, we weren't favourites. We, um, some of the girls had been pulled to go to Las Vegas for a sevens tournament, so that was a bit of a, a blow. And uh, we won the game. It was a really close affair. And afterwards, I was walking towards the bench where we were after after all going crazy. And Ailish Egan, who's one of my best mates. And we lived together for years. She just gave me like a like a nod, a little nod, and it was, it was for me. She was it was kind of like a smug. Like I told you, did I tell you that you'd be back and playing and playing well? Like that little. And I was in my head. I was like, yeah, for fuck's sake, you did say that. Like I was like, like it was the smug look, but the the relief as well in that. And um, yeah, that was a pretty. That was a pretty nice moment. So, and and I've had a few of those, but I think just offhand, that one would would be a would be a it's a nice one to have in the bank. You were um, I read in an interview there lately from you that you were thinking it well, you were hoping maybe to move over to New Zealand to play over there. Um, and I know lockdown is an issue at the moment. Don't get me wrong, but would that still be on the cards for the future? Um, like fingers crossed if Jacinda. Kind of lets me in, um. But at the moment, because of their borders and stuff, it's it's proving a little bit difficult. So, um, 
I'm currently just going on and seeing if a Kiwi would marry me so I can get a <laughs> visa in. Um, no, uh, yeah, like it's on the bucket list. I'd love to do, still do something like that. Um, I still have a bit of life left in me and the knees are still tipping away. I want to play at a high level and I want to learn a lot more as well. So, you know, why not give New Zealand a crack and um, travel around there a little bit? And now I've got some some mates that live over there as well so um yeah to be a new different challenge and something that i'd like to do but like we'll see what happens i can only control what i can control so if the borders do open up then fingers crossed but if not i'll, I'll still be happy where i am as well and make the best out of it how would you think they'd react to the few drinks and purple snacks during and after or after games oh do you know what they could probably teach me a thing or two about it. So I've seen some of those girls party. So I'm like, I'd be a novice in comparison to some of them. And um, I don't, the purple snacks now, um, I think they go down the hips. I actually have to send a box of banshee bones over to uh, one of the girls, Kira O'Connor, who, uh, who's living over there at the moment. So um, she might spread the love and share some of them with her, her buds and offense. But um I think Ireland's just are really good with their crisps. Just pretty, pretty damn good crisps, aficionados. So yeah. Would you? Would you? Ridiculous. Would you be one to brag about beating them in 2014? Like, and I, I only say that because, like, if if I came anywhere close to to beating an all black team, like, I'd be literally in the pub 50 years time, and I'd be like, buy me a pint there. I'll tell you about the time I beat the all blacks, and they'd be like, <laughs> you've told me, you've told me 500 times, like, but like that would be me, you know. <laughs> um no i i don't like probably not like actually some of the some of the girls that were on the barbers babas team they were on the new zealand team that we beat um and yeah you win some you lose some kind of thing yeah it probably it's for me it's a it's a is a big deal um but you kind of forget sometimes i think like well i'm guilty of playing a game and winning a game and really enjoying it and kind of forgetting that other people think it's important too. And if that makes sense, like sometimes I'm still, you know, on a Gaelic pitch in Cucullin and I've won a game and you forget that it's not just the team that cares about it. It's, you know, your mom and dad and a few of the locals and maybe your neighbour. But when you're playing for Ireland, it expands a little bit and you don't realise how much uh, of a smile um sport can bring to other people and like when i'm watching you know leinster ireland irish rugby play well and um, it does give me a lift but sometimes you forget yourself and you're part of a team that you've also done that so i know this is an extremely long-winded way of getting back to asking what i ask for a point but i'm i'm happy not to bring it up because i've already i've already got some good memories and it's going to get a smile anyway and i get my own points I just have a few listener questions to finish up if you're okay with right. that. And yeah. um, the first comes from Lauren Fitzgerald and I actually asked the question already, so I'll phrase it differently. Her question was, what was your favorite moment in an Ireland shirt? But what I'll ask instead is if you could go back and play any of those games again, which one would you pick? Oh, um, if I was to go back and play any one game again, it would be, it wouldn't be one that we won. It would be, 2014 third fourth playoff versus France in in Paris and we should have won that and we didn't and so that would always have a little 
I always have a little like shit about that. So that's probably my one game that I'd love to go back and give it another crack. Um, but um, other than that, I probably would would leave those special moments untouched. It, it happened the way it did, so I'll leave it. I'll leave it the way it lay. The next one comes in from Shawnee Wall. She actually has two. The first one is, do you have any regrets? Um, yeah, like, um, but. Yeah, but there's no real point in kind of mulling it over anyway. And, and maybe if I did things a little bit differently, I wouldn't have ended up where I ended up. Um, like I wouldn't maybe end up playing rugby. I wouldn't have. There's so many what ifs. So, yeah, there's things that I would like to have done differently. But I don't tend to dwell on it too much anyway, because I don't think it's going to it's gonna do me any good. Um, I'll learn from it and be like, oh, if I have the chance to if I have a chance to maybe do something a little bit different and it pops up similarly in the future, then I'll know how I'll go about it. But for me, no, that's, it wouldn't change anything. His second question then is with coaching and NACE and now setting up an under 20 rep site with the rugby Academy Ireland, are you enjoying coaching? Yeah, I love it. I'm learning a lot. Um, and it's actually, it's been really helpful for me um, as a player as well. Um, so anyone that's I don't think you have to wait until the retirement to take up a whistle and start coaching um, I think that if you can't explain something clearly and efficiently in in three or four sentences then you don't understand it enough or you're not so with me it's I've got that from coaching um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it um, the women that I'm working with at the moment are a fantastic bunch um, and they're coping, they're doing, they're putting huge amounts of work into, into training, not just like, you know, getting fitter or getting stronger during the lockdown, but I think for me, it's a big importance to stay, you know, socially connected and to look out for each other. And because a lot of people just, and myself included, it's like, you're not, you're not going to have great days all the time. And um, so just to look out for each other a little bit and drop each other a text give them a call or whatever so we're staying very much the team even though we can't be you know beside each other all the time on a Wednesday night but yeah it's it's good definitely good now my 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 setting up of the cones they're still absolutely wonky all the time like a wet noodle work on that. oh shocking um I know with the Rugby Academy Ireland I know you're actually working alongside Fiona Hayes I was chatting to her there not so long ago like and I think the word that sums her up best is just energy. Oh yeah. Like I've never, I don't think I've actually ever spoken to someone about rugby who was so into it. Like, Yeah. She's like, it's like she's down three or four Lucas eights and then she's ready to go. Yeah. She's uh, fairly passionate about it. All right. She's a damn good coach too. Well, that amount of energy that you have in a coach, I, I don't think it's, it's not wasted energy either. It's, there's there's a purpose and a drive behind it and you know when you're working with a person that's very much passionate about what they're about that in itself it's a little bit of a lift to everyone else around that person too and and you kind of want to learn off that as well and it can only be good for the environment and the atmosphere that you want when you've got that someone with a bit of buzz about them the last question then comes in from uh kieran igor and it's a bit of a 
bit of a serious question, but she asked, do you think the current women's AIL structure is fit for purpose? You want a, a competitive, uh, you want a competitive competition. Now, obviously, COVID restrictions and stuff, it's making it a lot more difficult. You just have to play within your your province. Um, and, and now, well, no matches are going ahead at all. Um, I think that there's definitely a gap between certain clubs and others. Um, and, and, and I can speak for Belvo have an advantage. We've got um, not just world-class coaches that are coming in, really good facilities, but also we're near a big city. Um, and that's where people go to or used to go to for work and for studying. So you've got more you've got more people to, to kind of choose from. You've got a wider base to select your team. And then other clubs that are maybe more rural, it's a little bit more difficult holding on to players. Um, so that in itself is tough. Um, and then and I, I can only speak for Belbo, but we've got great facilities. We've got a gym that the players can use and access to that. We've got really good physio. Um, and I don't know if other clubs have that um, same support. So like... At the moment, we don't have enough women playing the game in the country, I think, to to go pro in terms of like AIL, which is not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but potentially, there is a support system already there in terms of provincial. Like you could have a semi-professional Leinster women's team and a semi-professional Connacht team you also have to take into consideration players, you know, desires and wants. Like some some women go to play rugby at a high level and it's not just to become better rugby players. And some of them, they might not have ambitions to go play for Ireland or for their province. And that's entirely fine too. It's they come for the social aspect or they go to get a bit fitter or they enjoy just playing with this particular club. And everyone kind of comes through and not everyone can be fit to fit in this perfect box of like, oh, they want to go and represent. Some of them might, they might be extremely satisfied with the jobs that they have already and the careers that they've chosen. So it's, it's a really tough one to, to try and navigate. Um, but I think like a better, strong coaching across the board in AIL will help the women's game. Um, maybe more input into like we, we know a lot of the time how you know Leinster uh want the Leinster teams to somewhat be coached a little bit so that they understand like this is what Leinster used to build and this is how they build a platform and they coach their coaches and um, so your your level ones twos threes and fours so it gives a somewhat everyone is roughly on the same kind of structure and pathway I know I'm absolutely waffling, so I apologise in advance for not answering this question at all clearly. And um, I've gone off on a tangent, which I do all the time. Um, but in terms of AIL being fit for purpose, I don't know what the alternative is at the moment. Probably just edit everything else that I said and just, just stick in that one. Oh, that's perfect. That's fine. That's, a, that's a tough question. The last question then is a little bit more lighthearted, I suppose, and it comes from Stefano Farrell, and he was wondering what the funniest thing you've ever seen on a pitch was. Oh, oh I've seen some, I've seen some gems. 
Um, probably whispering to your kicker, your shit is probably, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> up there. Yeah, that's pretty funny, all right. Um, that's pretty good. Oh, it's the funniest. Like, sometimes you're beside, like, I'm, I'm, I was beside Ali Miller and off a lot in the, the national anthem for the national anthem when I was playing 12 and Ali hates this the the physical rowdiness of of the back slaps like before a game she fucking hates it <laughs> so I'll position myself to kind of like everyone is going around slapping each other in the back or whatever and I'm kind of like a like oh, don't hit Ali like kind of battering away and that's fine anyway and she'll get like Safe, um, and we were going out. I think it was in Ashburn. Like it, it's happened a few times where someone's just given her a wallop. Like Lindsay Pete's given her a fucking wallop, and Ali Miller would be like rumbling as the opposition team's national. She's like, for fuck's sake, they know I don't like it. <laughs> she's she's moaning a little bit that way. Um, and then like another one was uh. Mazzy on the we were playing we were playing in Ashburn and it was again it was against France or something and we were ahead by a minimal amount it was really close game I can't remember something happened and and time was called and I kind of went over to Maz I think I was bleeding or something I was like Maz because she always has a tissue in her gum shield pocket in her shorts and I was like Maz do you have a a tissue she's like yeah and she always has one neatly folded up and instead she pulled out a mini virus bar (laughs) (laughs) I forgot I put that there and she ate the mini marathon during a Six Nations game <laughs> so that was, that was pretty I had a yeah that was funny that was they're on the PC ones that I'm allowed to say so I'll, that, I'll stick with that that's fair enough that'll do well look Jenny thanks a million for taking the time to come on and being so open and honest about everything like really appreciate it no worries thanks a million for having me on no hassle and best of luck with the the under 20s rep side with Rugby Academy Ireland and with Nate and everything cheers thanks very much have a good one, Jeff. You too. Well, that's it for me today, folks. Thanks a million for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please make sure to share this episode, subscribe, follow, and tune into the next one. Thanks a million and good luck.